You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hey there, No Labels, No Limits podcast listeners. Welcome back for another week of the podcast. I'm Sarah Box, your host of the podcast. And the No Labels, No Limits podcast is all about our mission of helping individuals, teams, and organizations, particularly nonprofits and solopreneurs, think outside the box and move beyond limiting beliefs and create profound impacts in the lives of others. So we do that by bringing you great guests who have had transformations in their own life. Sometimes they've challenged their own limiting labels and beliefs, but ultimately all of them have accomplished personal and professional goals that benefit the lives of others in addition to their own. So today our guest is no exception, and I'm super excited to get to meet her and know more about her and to introduce her to you. So let me tell you a little bit about her, Stephanie Banks. Now, Stephanie is an intuitive channel, mentor, and guide fostering soul level connections. You guys know I love that stuff because I know there's more than what's right in front of us every day. And Stephanie says we all have the ability to channel, connect on a soul level, and just like any other skill, it can be practiced and honed. She emphasizes that being able to connect with ourselves and others on this deeper level changes our relationships, presumptions, self-confidence, and all aspects of our lives. And I think on top of that, it makes our life more meaningful and fulfilling. I've been doing podcasts today, fulfilling. So personally, I'm I'm excited to explore a few specific things around Stephanie's um, transformative journey and her path. So some of those things are when and how her journey ignited, common misconceptions about channeling, what it feels like to tune into the right side of our brain, how that experience infuses her work today, and in what ways her channeling has helped others and how we can discover our own intuition. And we are also going to talk about the power of our connection to Mother and specifically Mother Earth. And other things, you know how it goes, you know, Stephanie will say something and then I'll pull on a thread and we're going to learn something we never anticipated. So with that, let's formally welcome our guest for this week, Stephanie Banks, to the podcast. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for wherever our conversation takes us. I am too. I'm excited and not attached. We'll just see where it goes. I'll it's follow a good place to be. <laughs> it is. But I do, you know, we were chatting just before we went live, and we talked about the importance of the connection to mother. So before I have you even talk about your background, share a bit about that, um, what you mean by that, and the impact of that for us in, in the context that we're living in today. Yeah, I'm speaking specifically about our connection to Mother Earth. <clears throat> we know her as Gaia. Um, and basically... <laughs> You'd have to be completely asleep not to notice that she's suffering at the hands um, of humans and from our decisions and uh, mistakes that we have made for quite a long time. So I know for myself, everything that I do becomes much more meaningful and impactful when I am nurturing that connection that I have with the natural world. And this is a natural, you know, a natural connection to the natural world. We have it as children. Um, when we don't get outside, though, and when we don't make it more of our practice, then we do tend to lose it uh, in our adulthood. But when we come back to it, and we can come back to it any time, any moment, just by walking outside, just by putting your bare feet on the earth, just by noticing the butterflies and dragonflies and birds that are around you, it's an instantaneous reconnection. And things come back into focus for me quite readily when I am in that zone. So give me an example of um, how you do that, because I tend to do that throughout the day, like I'll it's, unless it's pouring down rain, in which case I have to suit up before I do this. Like, wait a minute, put on the clothing. But um, 
tell me the experience for you. Like, are you feeling a little off center when you go out and then reconnect? Is What's your experience before that happens? Mm. Well, for me, I do it throughout the day as well. I actually do it in between my client sessions. So it's a bit of a cleansing and a clearing for me. We might have been channeling some difficult, challenging things, and then I'm able to go out into that great wide world and Pachamama, Mother Nature, just kind of clears all of that away. It drains to the earth, and then I'm uplifted, and I can return as a much clearer vessel. So that's how I use it. But if I'm not doing client sessions, let's say I'm trying to work on my book, and I say trying because that's really the operative word, <laughs> and I might find it a frustrating pursuit because sometimes writing flows and sometimes it does not, I will use my garden as a space to regain my anchor and my inspiration and it's a reminder of how much life occurs outside the walls of my home and thank goodness there's more to what is in existence for us yeah and i think that's such a great reminder it's also how much life ex for me you know because i'm in my head so much how much life exists beyond my thoughts you know so this morning I'm getting ready for my first interview and I'm in the kitchen getting my coffee and my beverages and all of a sudden my husband goes, look at the quail, right? Now we haven't had too many quail yet this year. And he goes, wait, look beyond, go further out, go further. I, there was probably 60 quail. So four or five little cubbies, right? He goes, what are they doing? I says, I have no idea, right? They're out in the dirt area. They come in our yard. They all clump up. They go here. They go there. They go in our front yard like they're going to go to our neighbors and cross the street. My husband goes, oh, please, don't go right now. This is the busy take your kids to school time. And all of a sudden, you can see like they got to look out. And all of a sudden, they all turn around. They go back in our <laughs> yard. But I got to tell you, it was so fun. to. Th and then I think, what am I doing? I thought that was the most fun thing, right? It's like there's nature doing their thing regardless of the craziness, right, or anything else that's going on, it's happening. Life's yes. happening. You're so. being part of life. Yeah. And that's the whole point. We are part of this intricate tapestry of life. It is not just, thank goodness, what exists within our minds. It's this whole world. And we are, I, I don't believe there's any neutrality. We either are contributing positively to it or we're detracting from it. So make a choice. When you notice those quail, it's impossible not to feel connected to them and not oh, to yeah. have curiosity about them. And how do they exist in their families? How do they feed their young? How do they protect their nests, right? It's this beautiful. It was all of our questions. <laughs> what are they doing? How come there's so many? I says, well, it's not one family. How do you know? I says, really? You could have that many eggs and take care of them. I said, this is a multiple group. They're getting along just fine. And, but I mean, that whole we would not have had that conversation except for Mother Nature. Yeah. You know, and the yeah. Earth. Okay, we're going to get back on topic with you. So, you know, you've had an unexpected journey into channeling. Can you talk a bit about that? Um, just even how that entered your life. When my mother was in her 50s, she began to experience symptoms of dementia. And we didn't know it was dementia because it's a specific kind that affects younger people and it's called frontotemporal. And at the time they did not have easy ways to differentially diagnose that. So we went for years thinking it was mental illness of a different variation. And um, what ended up happening as with dementia is that her ability to communicate started to break apart. She couldn't hold on to information. She also couldn't form cohesive sentences. And it was getting more difficult for me to stay connected to her in our traditional sense of verbal communication. I have the background of being a clinician. I'm a speech pathologist by training. So one might think that I was well suited for this particular <laughs> journey. However, when it's your own mother and you have all those other emotional components, the mother-child relationship is very complex, uh, it's a different thing entirely. So I was finding myself frustrated, um, impatient, exhausted. I had young children and my mother was having behaviors of a young child in many ways as well. So lucky, lucky for me at the time, I had a best friend who was an intuitive channel, and that just meant she was able to connect on a soul level 
with any soul that was here on the planet. And I thought, well, I have a challenge for you, dear friend. <laughs> can you channel my mom? And can you help me figure out what does she need from me? What's my role here with her? I don't feel like I'm really supporting her in the way that our souls are meant to. I certainly felt like I was failing a lot because of my impatience with with her, with, with our the disarray that was created through the dementia. And my dear friend channeled her for me and through multiple times and through those sessions, I learned from my mother's soul directly how to show up for her, what she needed me to hold, what she needed for me to release, how I could get out of her way and let her experience life in this way that she was now experiencing it. Um, and how to not overly involve myself in the dynamic she had with my father, which can be very tempting to do, especially when you see struggle. And boy, that changed my life. And I thought this, if I could learn to do this for myself, I could change so many things about my relationships and my own soul's journey, just in the understanding of it. And if I could teach or do this for others and essentially teach others how to do it for themselves that was actually my goal and so that is what I do now I got mentorship I did a lot of training thousands of hours of practice and um, here I am so this is something I think many of our listeners can relate to either because they've had that experience maybe they're on the front end of it or have a not necessarily an identical situation but maybe they're caring for somebody who has lost the ability to communicate, maybe from a stroke, right? So what were some of the things that you were able to learn from your mom's soul that helped you see things different and shift in how you were relating to her? The biggest thing for me was she asked me from the soul perspective if I could please find ways to join her instead of insisting that she join us in our reality. And that has changed the entire way I approach um, many different relationships because we have this tendency, especially with someone who has cognitive challenges, to let's say they think it's Thursday and it's really Monday. For some reason, we actually think that matters, that we tell them it's Monday and they know that it's Monday. Does it matter what day of the week it is? It doesn't matter. So that's what I learned from my mom. What's really important here to reorient her to and where can I just join her in her experience she would say we would go for a walk outside it'd be 95 degrees we live in Florida and she'd say I need my sweater well I could stop in the middle of our walk and lecture her on why a sweater is a really bad idea <laughs> or I could just go get her darn sweater she's happy we continue on our walk who am I to say what her internal temperature experience is so that's been the most important piece. It looks like on the outside, we need to do a lot of correcting, but we oftentimes don't. Oftentimes what our loved ones need is just someone to be with them and to maybe bring a little humor, a little levity, a little lightheartedness to the in, you know interactions. That's so helpful. And it can be hard when you feel responsible. Mm -hmm. You know, to like, okay, I'm going to, I'm just going to have levity here. And people are going, what is wrong with you? You know, which of course is not their business. What's wrong with you? If you, especially if you're like, you're saying joining in with your mom or joining in with whomever the person is. Um, so what are some other ways that that has transformed your relationships? Because I could see that spiraling out so many positive ways. Oh, for sure. It extends to parenting for me very clearly. Same application, really. Do I do I really need to convince my young child that their belief or reality is not true or not the real one or not the one that they can trust? Of course not. I can I can join them in their experience, ask curious questions about it, learn a little bit more. It's so much more fun. <laughs> And you get to really connect with your your child, with your young one, and understand the world from their perspective. And guess what? They're not wrong. They have a perspective and an understanding that oftentimes goes well beyond what we could um, try to 
hold on to as adults because we've lost a lot of our wonder, unfortunately. We can get it back. That's the good news. Um, but, you know, what we what we view as real, uh, the, the version of reality that we tend to accept, we do not have to accept that. We can create, as children do, our own reality, and it's a ton more fun to do so. Give me an example. I agree with you, but I, I love to hear people's examples of this because I started doing a similar thing a few years ago. My husband go, what are you doing? I says, I like this story better than the one that's playing right now. Yeah. I'm going with it. Yeah. And she goes, okay. But tell me, give me an example. Um, well, I'll give you an example of something I did as a young child and insisted something from my sister. We would watch a movie that say would have an ending that was devastating to me. Anytime an animal was injured or harmed, that was, I could not get over that. So I would turn to my sister with my arms crossed over my chest and I would demand that she come up with a different ending. I was not leaving that room until there was a different ending offered to me. And so she would scour her creativity and create something happier, more uplifting, Bambi's fine, you know, or Bambi's mom or whatever it is. And they all canter off into the sunset and all is well. That's great. <laughs> it let me sleep at night. It let me have hope in humanity. <laughs> um, and then for an example for my own kids when they were younger, they would have ideas um, or understandings about themselves or even others in, in their preschool or their grade school classes that didn't necessarily, that didn't come from any other place but deep within them. And you can tell that by listening. Uh, and that just, I believe, um, part of parenting is really being in that deep space with them and encouraging more of that. So if they were having hard feelings towards a friend um, or felt that someone had wronged them or hurt their feelings to explore, you have to navigate through anger oftentimes with that because that's, you know, pain is there. But asking questions such as, well, what does your heart tell you right now? How do you feel? Um, what, what are you thinking might help you to feel a little bit better about this? Or is there something you want your friend who said something unkind to you to know um, so that they just are able to have an understanding of how that affected you? How might that sound? These are just really simple questions, gentle questions to open up this portal of communication that goes beyond just the purely emotional component. Do you find that kids, when they have, those are like those open, curious mm -hmm. questions, do you find like there's some really innovative solutions or answers to those that we as adults, we would have overcomplicated it perhaps? No, oh, we always do, don't we? <laughs> I think we do. I, I am full-time employed in overcomplication, so <laughs> that is what I do on a regular basis. But yeah, kids kids are naturally, just like they're inclined towards the natural world and awe and wonder, they are also inclined towards compassion. And, um, and that's something that we do need to nurture because we want these future generations to be connected to their compassion, compassion towards self compassion towards all life, um, towards one another, so that they can serve into what their souls are here to do. But yeah, I do find that um, they see things frankly, and that is so refreshing. Like they just, the truth comes out and you're going, you can go. Yes. And as an adult, you're going, I, I don't think I'd say that out loud. Because a kid can say it, it's true, right? Yeah. But I think you're right, and that whole compassion piece, you know, little kids, they share, unless there's something else going on with them, they tend to be very generous and kind. Yeah. It's so true. much to learn, so much to learn from them. Well, okay, let's talk about this, about you went out, you got your mentorship, you practice, practice, practice. Um, tell me, what are some of the misconceptions people have about channeling that then you can help them get beyond to benefit from channeling? Mm. One of the questions when I'm teaching others how to channel, one of the fears, very common fears they have is that, what if I'm just making this up? And to that, I say, yay, that's exactly what we're doing. 
We are all making it up as we go with everything across the board in our lives in every aspect of our lives all the time. So um, intuition and creativity and imagination are the places from which we channel. And nothing on this beautiful planet that has been invented or created by humans came, skipped coming through imagination, right? It all had to be imagined before it came into form. So why we're in the process or um, habit of questioning imagination as though it's not real, I have no idea how we got to that place, but we need to get out of that place because imagination needs to be celebrated. That's what needs to be activated when we channel, when we connect in that soulful, spiritual way, and that's what supports that clarity of connection. So that's a first misconception is that if you if you think you're making it up, then you're getting it wrong. No. Go to the place where you can imagine. If I didn't imagine, I wouldn't be able to channel. I'm able to see images and pictures and like movies pretty much of different things. And that, how could I do that if I wasn't in the imagination of it? And another misconception is that our intuition will be wrong. What if it's wrong? Our intuition isn't ever wrong. That doesn't mean we always choose from that place. Sometimes we choose something outside of where we feel intuitively guided and we have a set of circumstances that we're considering that have to do with um, reality or logic or other considerations. But um, our intuition will never guide us in the wrong direction. If we feel like we made a mistake, let's celebrate that too because that's the only way we're learning is by making certain decisions that might fall into the category of mistakes, but that's where our growth is. So your intuition will not lead you astray. You can trust yourself. And it is a process to come back to that place of self-trust. Hey there, everybody. I want to take just a minute out of this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast to tell you that we are officially opening the Sandbox membership in September. So if you're not already on our mailing list, please click the link below to either sign up for the membership or get on the waiting list for the membership. And if you click the link, you'll find more information about what's included, what our plans are, and better yet, you'll be on early enough to help decide what is most important to you to experience in the first three to six months of the membership. So don't wait, click the link below and join us in the sandbox where fun happens. We get to do a little R&R, little learning, support one another, and really grow and expand in ourselves, in our lives, and impact the world in a profound way. So come on over, join us. So you mentioned something about you can see things, right? Mm -hmm. You're, you know, so you're able to see things. Are you particularly drawn to being like visual, auditory, or how are you picking up when you're channeling, I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah. When I channel, I close my eyes so that I can also be in the imagery. But most of what is coming through is words, just like I'm talking to you right now. My voice, my tone of voice changes a little bit. People say it sounds like I'm reading something to them because there's like a lot of flow of language, um, almost always grammatically correct. I'm happy to report. <laughs> That's important. I'm That's a speech really... pathologist. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Oh, that's a that's one thing you don't have to worry about. Yes, um, but that's how I I do hear the messages, but the hearing and the reporting of them happen simultaneously. Okay. So it is in this beautiful flow, and a lot comes through sometimes in rushes and waves. Oftentimes, my clients say, "Whoa, I'm glad you're recording this because that was a lot to." Remember, I don't even remember it, honestly. Um, but you go back and you listen and you pick up more and more every time you hear the replay from your messages because they're layered in that way. You absorb what you're ready to absorb. Then you come back to it later and you've already changed and grown because that's how fast we're accelerating on the planet. And you get more. So what are some of the surprising things that have happened for people you've helped? So first part of that question I didn't ask, like, why would someone come to you? So I'm coming mm -hmm. to you, I'm asking you for X. What might be some of the surprising things that I wouldn't even anticipate it? 
Yes. So what a lot of people assume about my work is that it is strictly related to communicating with those on the other side. That's mediumship. I do that as well. Um, but my, my genius, my real jam is channeling souls that are here on the planet right now. So what's super cool about that is you have an opportunity to hear from your own soul. And most people aren't aware that's even possible. Now, we can all do this for ourselves, no question about it, which is, again, why I teach it. Um, but the first time people hear their own soul reflecting to them or guiding them or providing them with some insights and direction in different areas, um, that's kind of mind-blowing. Uh, also, people come to me when they are having relationship struggles. I work with couples. Um, who want to understand some of the soul agreements that they have together as a couple. I work a lot with parents who are struggling to connect with their children of any age. They could be young, they could be grown. Um, a lot of suffering right now. There's people who are struggling with addictions and uh, all, all manner of things. And when we go beyond the behavior to the essence of what is underneath, it's really can clarify so much more and help to illuminate what we're actually here to do, which ultimately is to love each other and to journey with one another, not to save each other, not to swoop in and, you know, handle everything, but really to walk with. So in those situations um, where, let's just say it's a parent and an adult child, and maybe there hasn't been communication for a while. What kinds of things transform? I'm imagining since you've been channeling for a while, you've hit had a number of different situations. So what kinds of things happen? Because those are painful situations mm -hmm. for parents and for the adult child. Yes, absolutely. Well, I'll give a couple examples that might shed light on it. I did. I channeled for a mom whose grown son was incarcerated. She was not able to see him. Um, their communication wasn't easy to come by because of the incarceration. And she needed to know from him, um, how can I support you? How can I show up for you? Similar questions as what I had for my mother with her dementia. And his soul was able to come through and share with her some specifics about what he needed. He gave um, ideas and examples for how she might maintain contact with him that he would be able to receive. And in this case, some of it was through writing and she did start writing letters to him. And this was really impactful. Um, I have heard from her, this was years ago, and she has reconnected with me to let me know how much those messages meant to her and supported their relationship. And now they have a better connection. He is no longer incarcerated. Um, and, and those letters are, they were lifelines for him. So that's one example. Um, another example would be, say, I'm thinking of so many, there are so many struggles right now in our, in our world. And as parents, we want to, we do want to swoop in and make everything better for our, for our kids. But I'll say there's, there are families sometimes whose kids are struggling with eating disorders or with self-harming behavior. And those are deep rooted things. And, and I'm not a psychologist, so nothing that I do, and I'm not a counselor, is coming from that perspective. But since I am able to tap into the soul and there is information at the soul level that can support a parent's understanding of some of the why, but mostly how they can be of greater um, presence for their child. Sometimes that advice is, please stay out of my way. A lot of times the, the child, no matter the age, will say, I'm, you're crowding me. I'm not going to do this your way. I need you to let go of your expectations as much as possible. I need you to give me a wider berth so that I can play some of these things out that, yes, look painful from the outside, but they also include growth for me, and I need to experience this. That's a lot of the wisdom that can come through the messages. So you talked about, or the example of the couples that will come and they have soul agreements. Can you talk about soul agreements, what those are? And because I'm also hearing that that's part of, in your last example, 
what might be a part of that, like having the space to to live out my agreement. Mm -hmm. Am I on track with you? Yeah, yes. So this is what I believe. It's based on my studies and also what I do professionally. Uh, but I believe our souls come here countless times, come here to this physical dimension, countless times to get closer to um, divine love, pure love, unconditional love. And the way we play this out is through our relationships. Relationships are where we do our greatest growth. They are very challenging as we can <clears throat> agree to. And I have found that <clears throat> with regards to soul agreements, we sometimes travel with similar souls and have similar lifetimes. Like I've traveled with my sister before, my current day biological sister in other lifetimes. We're not always siblings. We've played out different roles with one another. And oftentimes in family constellations, you will have some others who have journeyed with you and you've switched roles. You've been teacher, student, you've been parent, child, you've been cousins, whatever it is. There's so many different types of relationships. And each time that you come through together, you, I, I picture it that we have this little conversation on the down low before we incarnate. And we're like, okay. I'm going to go through this thing because I want to be done with these challenges once and for all as it relates to how I think of a spouse or how I want to um, heal from this experience. You're going to play an antagonist in this way. So you're going to be the one that just kind of pokes at me and prods and <laughs> agitates me. And that's going to help me in this way, right? And we can all think of at least one relationship of somebody who pokes at us and prods at us and agitates us. Maybe it's not Please such a bad thing. Yes. <laughs> um, so we have we have a variety of agreements that we make. And oftentimes we have when we choose our partners, it's not just because they're the cutest, you know, <laughs> in the room. That's important to have attraction, but it's because we're here to grow. And sometimes those relationships are long lasting and sometimes they're short lived. But if we allow for what we're here to play out to actually unfold, then we can achieve that. And we don't have to come back and do that thing again. And that's what I'm really excited about. <laughs> because I often say, I better just address this now for myself, because I'm just going to have to come back and do it over if I don't. Oh, my gosh. No kidding. <laughs> no, that's, that's motivation right there. Yes. How many times do I want to hit my head on this wall? Come on. Just. Pay attention. What what are you here to do with that? Now, you talked about um, the soul agreements. So, for example, if in this lifetime I achieve what I'm going to do, and achieve is the wrong word, word that I'm looking for, but anyway, let's go with it and see where it goes. Um, does that also affect, and I'm thinking intergenerationally, will it affect things in my past, in my future. I mean, how does that work? Because I know some folks say if you heal now, it's a, it heals the generational past. I believe that. No, I believe that as well. Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of us, if not all of us are here, is to receive, to seek and receive healing on multiple levels. And when we do, it isn't just for ourselves. See, that's why I say there's no neutral decisions here, because everything that we do, every behavior, even every word, has a an energy to it. And it can either contribute to love, kindness, and the greater good, or it can create chaos, confusion, sometimes harm, ill will. Um, so it's really, that's, that's the point of all of it, is to increase our awareness and our learning so that we can do better. Because we do, we're healing generations back when we step into that type of healing for ourselves and future. So if I can achieve certain healing in certain arenas of my life, I believe that my children will not have to carry the pain and the legacy of having to address that to the same extent in their lives. Yep. So how is it to be in the right side of your brain? How does that feel? Oh, it's delightful. <laughs> it's such a good neighborhood in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a party. It's, it's a it's warm. It's 
loving, it's soft, it's creative, it's intuitive, it's trusting, it's musical, it's artistic, it's dance, it's all the, it's all the things. Um, and so we, you know, we need to find a way to integrate both sides because we can't, we can't badmouth the left brain that we need our logic. We need that egoic, you know, uh, personality that we hold. I, I do love my personality as well. Um, we need our problem solving. We need our linear thinking. It helps us with so many tasks, but we do need to be more balanced. And most, I, most people I know, are have a very developed left hemisphere and a much less developed right hemisphere so we need to even that out i agree because i noticed like i used to be in more one way and then over the years you know business and all that so if you just get in a i will say a rut because your brain gets used to operating in a pattern um, which is the beauty of neuroplasticity and getting to rewire and use things different thankfully so Say one of our listeners is here and they're saying, yeah, how do I start doing that, Stephanie? Are there a couple of tips just people could start practicing to go, oh, I feel a shift or I can do this and help grow that part of my experience? Well, any of the pursuits that I just mentioned that have to do with art, creativity, <clears throat> dance, music, writing, um, these are all forms of channeling. These are all right brain activities. And so anything you do that's in creative pursuit just for the sake of doing, it. I mean, coloring in a coloring book is creative. I like to do that too. Um, this will tap you into that right side. When you're tapped into the right hemisphere, you're more open to receive information or insights or images that can influence your life and inform you in interesting ways. Something that's really foundational, though, if you do want to learn to calm that very active ego mind and left brain, is to um, meditate. Yeah, that's pretty What crucial. do you say to someone who says, I can't meditate, my mind never shuts up? Mine either. Keep showing up. Yeah, that's the thing. We think of meditation as something that needs to be like some kind of perfect ohm experience where we're absent thoughts i achieve that almost never i get a nanosecond and i have a party wow i didn't have a thought for a nanosecond and now i'm <laughs> having a thought about not having a thought <laughs> exactly i'll fill it immediately but the point of meditation isn't to do anything perfectly or even to quote get good at it because i honestly don't know what that means but it's just to show up and give yourself the opportunity to be in stillness. And it doesn't mean that that stillness only occurs through um, emptiness. That's kind of the goal. But again, just fleeting, fleeting moments of it is all we're going for. Yeah, I, That whole thing about us needing to be perfect and achieve a certain level before it's good enough mm -hmm. really can trip us up. Mm -hmm. Super trip us up. I know. And I, I was thinking thinking, right? I was having a little trouble because I was thinking, but I had this interview that I was going to do today and I was, you know, I'm thinking, oh, I got to write the introduction. How am I going to do this? Because it's different. It had a different play. And so I let it go. I said, I'm not going to worry about it. You know, it's on my books. I'll get it done. I did like the perfunctory stuff yesterday and I woke up this morning. I thought I know exactly what I need to do. I did not spend any time on it. But what I did was I thought, okay, don't do anything. Sit here and just watch. And that's all I did. I made some really rough notes and it went great. But part of it was releasing mm -hmm. and not having to figure it out, which is what I do. I push, 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 figure it out. But it was so fun. I thought, oh, I should do more of that. Right. My morning time, quiet time. Yeah. Put on my binaural beats, five, 10 minutes, whatever, just silence. And then it just popped. Um, there are days that it's all like, okay, then here's your checklist. I'm going, quiet time, breathe. It's That's not right. pretty. It's not pretty. Okay, so say someone's listening to this and they want to work with you, Stephanie. They go, I need to get this for me. Mm. Share a little bit about what that process looks like, how someone can reach out to you to learn more. But honestly, like, what would that look like over a mm. month, 10 months, whatever? Mm-hmm. Well, to schedule a session, which is how I work with clients is mostly privately, aside from when I do group work, um, 
but you'd sign up on my website and you can come with a whole list of questions. You can write them down. I do encourage people because it's really helpful and they feel more settled if they feel like they're prepared and organized. And then we will flow with whatever comes through. Um, so they can ask their questions and I will tune into exactly what they're asking about and, and we will receive specific guidance that they can use immediately, um, but it will also, the, the conversation and the flow and the channeled messages will come in such a way that it is exactly what that person needs and is ready for in that moment. Um, nothing comes through that's heavy or dark. Nothing comes through that's too much. It's always just right for where they are so they can start to take steps in, in the direction that's going to serve their, their own spirit. And you can ask to channel any soul that's here on the planet with you. You can also ask to channel your loved ones and ancestors on the other side. You can ask questions of your own soul. You can ask to hear from your spirit guides. And that's what I was going to say, Sarah, when you were talking about letting things go. And then the insights came to you about how you wanted to guide that. We have an entire energetic support network right now, every breath. That we've never ever been alone. We think because of our culture that we're doing, we're efforting and doing all of this all by our lonesome. But nope, no, we are not. We have guides for every aspect of our lives: relationship guides, and career guides, and parenting guides, and um, daughtering guides. Whatever, whatever role you're playing, you have guides for that. Parking spot guides, we have guides to get us the best, you know, most useful experience. So remember that and call them in. Use use them. You do not have to do anything formal other than, hey, team, I could use some help around this. I don't know how I want to guide my interview. So some insight, please. You release it and they step up to the plate. Yep. I've been doing a version of that when I go into unknown territory for meetings, like when I'm thinking, oh, there's some things in here that I've been told. I'm not sure who's going to blah, blah, blah. And I just, in the morning, I'm thinking, okay, I've got a plan and now I'm releasing it because I know you will be there. <laughs> and as corny as that, someone asked me, they said, did you know how to anticipate that? And I said, and they said, did you have an agenda? I said, I always have an agenda. However, this morning before I left the hotel to be here, I said, Okay, I'm open and paying attention to all guidance. Mm. Thank you in advance. And honestly, when things started popping and we lost electricity and this kind of stuff, I just went, okay. And so I'm going, okay, here's the plan. First person goes, what are we going to do? I said, I got a plan. I don't have the plan, but the plan was in my head. So um, I just love what you say about that and practicing asking and paying mm -hmm. attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're going to have all this stuff in the show notes about how people can do that. What should I have asked you that I did not ask you? Hmm. That's a really good question. Um, <laughs> I think you were pretty comprehensive. <laughs> well, I've been excited about talking to you. I have been because I've, I am. I wouldn't say I channel, but I pay attention. And I know one of the last conversations, there were no words involved, that I had with my mom shortly, probably two hours before she passed, that it's just like a, it was a jolt of energy between us. Mm -hmm. But what I heard was, we've done this before, we will do this again. And mm -hmm. I just, even when I tell you that, I get these chills, you know? Me and too. I, and my, I know, I call over. And my other sister's in the room, and she goes, what was that? I'm thinking, yeah, I don't know that I want to talk about it right now. Because she goes, did, and because she could feel it, she didn't hear it, right? And I said, yeah, that was interesting. So I'm mean, anyway. There's just been odd things, great things, that odd, yes. different things. But I just felt so cool about that because I really loved my mom, her being, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so to know that we played different roles and we'll do it again, like say goodbye, hello again, was so yeah. great. Yes. Yeah. Great. It's reassuring. 
And I think if we could center those types of conversations more and more, like we could normalize them instead of have them be labeled as too woo-woo or out there, because the truth is that we need this part of ourselves. We are spiritual beings and having a human experience. So to not be in the excitement and the joy and the sharing of what what you're hearing from your mom and how my mom keeps sending a cardinal to my window every single day just to bug the heck out of us <laughs> like these are these are things that are not they're not unusual they're just not talked about very often and we can change that well i think we haven't been taught to pay attention to them right you could someone else could just go that's a crazy bird what's it doing here right instead of paying attention um yeah. but i know we were right in the process of buying a a motorhome a trailer rather many years ago on our way we'd already done all the pre stuff that you need to do and we're getting ready to get on the freeway and my husband goes I have a bad feeling about this. I said, make a U-turn. Let's go home. And he goes, well, don't you like, I said, I like it, but I'm not, I trust your guts. So mm. we'll find the right thing later. And that was it. You know, we did, we found what we needed later, better. It was not only a better deal, it was a better unit and the people were great. Mm. But the minute he said, I just have a hinky feeling about this. I said, done, done and done. We are done. That is the best thing we can do for each other. Trust the inner voice of wisdom and do not force the person to validate it or to prove why they feel that way. Because sometimes there is just the feeling and that is more than enough. I love that you did that for your husband. I pray that we all do that for one another because Sometimes we'll see the immediate outcome of it and you'll know that you got a better deal and you worked with better people, but sometimes we'll never know um, because we can't see backwards, you know, and into what might have. Uh, however, if we do trust that voice, we, it's, that's like our greatest gift. That is, that's the voice of our truth. Yep. And I do know, I knew when I met him, you know, like we're so very different and so very much similar, but it's like, he was told once by um, a medium, he said, you know, I knew right where this guy was going because I can see it in him too. And I'm thinking, don't go there. He's going to get cringeworthy on you. And he says, you know, have you ever considered you have so much power? And um, he goes, yeah, that, that's what my wife says. You two should talk more. I got to <laughs> But I do. I really honor that in him. And so it, was, it felt I was comfortable just saying I'm, I'm good with that. And it is, you can't explain sometimes why you know what you know. You just know it. That's right. That's right. So, Stephanie, did I ask you um, previous to this interview about if you had a podcast episode you'd listen to? That I have recently listened to? Uh, I listen to lots, but you didn't ask me, I don't think, about Okay. It. Well, from someone else, <laughs> something you've listened to or learned from someone else who inspires you, can you think of a takeaway from that that you would share with our <laughs> listeners? And the reason I ask that is people don't, I don't know, I think we learn and get so much from others and we don't remind them or ourselves what we've learned and what we've gained. And I believe, you know, that everything you're putting out there, whether someone's listening within the next month or two years from now to you, they're going to gain something. So I'm, this is my prompt for us to give back to the people who showed up. So give back to the Stephanie's who show up on podcasts and share. So I'm just curious if there was something that you had. I know it's a tough one. No, it's good because what I'm going to, my answer is really going to be in a very um, humorous, it's truthful, but it's going to be in a very humorous light. I learn a ton from podcasts, but um, what I would like to center right now is a conversation that I had with my best friend just today, and we were speaking about the stigma of um, taking medications to help anxiety or depression or any type of mental, mental illness or challenge. And one of my favorite podcasts is We Can Do Hard Things with Glennon Doyle. And one of the things that I absolutely like, really love everything that they talk about because the honesty and integrity with which they share and teach is really brilliant. But one of the things that I spoke to my best friend about was that Glennon says, she sings this song and I'm gonna sing it, <laughs> so bear with me. Um, 
And it goes, Jesus loves me. Yes, I know, for he gives me like a pro. And what I love about that, so that I'm just a Jewish girl singing that, okay? I'm, not, you know, it's just <laughs> repeating it, is she has made tending and taking good care of ourselves so not just imperative, but acceptable um, and taking the stigma out of it. And by singing a song like that and bringing levity and lightness to what is a very real struggle for a whole lot of people, especially now with all the despair on the planet, um, that's, I appreciate that. I appreciate coming from that perspective and um, I, I hope we can shift that for sure. Oh, that's a great sharing. <laughs> And thank you for your singing. I appreciate that. You're so welcome. You're so talented on many fronts. So. It's that right hemisphere. Oh, there you go. You know what? I totally missed it because I was over here on my left side. Left side. Depends on how if my camera is reversed or not. Okay, so enough of that. So I'm going to give you final words. I want to say thank you, folks. I'm going to give you a chance to come back and say one parting thought. But if you're listening to this and you know someone who needs to hear from Stephanie, and I know you do, share this episode with them. If you want to connect with Stephanie, all of her information is going to be in the show notes. Reach out. Don't wait. You know, just don't wait. If you've got that desire or the intuition that Stephanie's your person to talk to, reach out to her. You can tell she's friendly, so she won't bite. Um, I'm, te I'm teasing, but oftentimes people go, oh, yeah, I'm kind of nervous. It's like, just do it. She'll take care of you. You can tell. So with that, Stephanie, final words from you. Yeah, I'm going to piggyback on that. I, I take exquisite care of my clients and my friends and my family. I am very, very good at holding safe and sacred space. So this is kind of one of the gifts that my soul came through with. I take that responsibility very seriously. And um, it's important that when you are seeking, um, whether it's intuitive reading or psychic reading or mediumship, that you have resonance and trust for the person that is doing that work with you. So whether it's me or somebody else, just trust yourself. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.